Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512-836-0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll-free 1-877-590-KLBJ. Oh, good morning. How much more of this can we actually take? I guess we don't have much choice, but man, brutal. Sure was nice to have a slight reprieve. When was that? Friday-ish? Thursday night? Something like that. But, uh, boy, I was looking at the uh, Weather Channel. Looks like 105 pretty much every day this coming week. So, just makes you stay inside. It's all it does. Hey, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin, landscape designer and builder. My company is, well, it's Kevin Wood Landscapes now has been for a long, long time. And if you uh, need a project done, please go to the website, kevinwoodlandscapes.com. And contact page is right on there and some pretty pictures and uh, use that to get in touch. Now, um, Michael Padilla, I have pretty much transferred the reins to him. And so he is the one you're going to be dealing with these days and he's just a wonderful young man i'm going to have him on the show soon so you can get acquainted with him but uh it's time to pass the torch and so that is uh of course you know i'll never lose interest in the plants which has always been my favorite thing so we specialize in using native texas plants but today it's all about your issues your gardens your questions your comments so you can call or text 512-836-0590. And then we have a toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So again, 512-836-0590. Call or text. Now let us go to the phone lines for our first caller. Southwest Austin, Rose, how's it going out there? Good morning. It's going hot. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. Um, I have a uh, a bush. I have two in the front. They're doing real well. I have one in the back of my deck, and it's called a Japanese something or other. Start the second word is with an F, but I don't know what it is. But it's a bush, and it's very uh, tolerant. And it was growing so big and um, giving me a lot of shade. Well, my son says, my son comes over and says uh, he's all about the green belt, the view, you know, so mm-hmm. he said, uh, you want me to trim it for you? Yes, please. And I had no idea he was, I thought he was just going to trim him, trim it. Uh, and he whacked, whacked it so bad. It looks kind of sad. It, I don't know if it's going to come back or not. The the stems are dry. The edges, I sent you two pictures. Did you, did you? Yeah, I'm look, yeah, I was looking at him, oh. but I, I didn't know what I was supposed to talk about. Yeah, it's a Japanese, um, it's a Photinia. Uh, what's it again? It looks like a photinia. Oh, so tinia? Photinia. Yeah, P- yeah, P-H-O. It sounds like it would start with an F, but it's a P-H-O-T-I-N-I-A. It gets uh, uh, pretty big. It's really a small tree. I mean, if I wanted to preserve that view, I would just take it out. I don't see the point in having it there. The view is so pretty. 
That's true. Yeah, that's what he's all about. He's all about the light and the view. And mm-hmm. I was about the shade. I said, well, you could have done that maybe in the summer, in the winter, but right now I need to shade. Yeah, oh. they have uh, yeah. some other green. Some other leaves turn red sometimes. Yeah. Does that help you? That is it? Yeah, that's what makes them pretty, really. That's why people really like them. But, yeah, you're right. Cutting them back hard this time of year is not a good idea. And and, uh, we typically prune them in uh, February, like the end of winter. Uh, because here's what happens. And this goes, y'all, for any anything you're thinking about cutting down hard. Then it's going to put up a whole bunch of new growth because that stimulates the new growth. But then it's so hot, you're going to have to really um, baby that new growth, right? <clears throat> because it's it's sensitive. Oh, boy. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, let me give you uh, one more, uh, one uh, one idea okay. that I have discovered from a naturopath. Uh, to stay hydrated, there's a salt. I haven't seen it at, at Whole Foods or uh, Sprouts for about a year, but uh, it's Celtic sea salt, and you put some of that in your water. If you're out, especially if you're out and about, I mm. usually when I go to the store, I carry a, a jar or a plastic bottle of water, mm-hmm. and I put Celtic salt for however strong you want to make it, and I'll be darned, it'll keep you from dehydrating. That's a great idea. You know, that's what we need, the salt. I think that's... You, uh, why the Romans paid all their soldiers in salt. <laughs> because they were working real hard building all those buildings, bridges. Well, well thank you so much, Rose. Thank you for your for your help. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Call again. Okay, 512-836-0590. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. I have many cedar elms that have come up over the years. Some of them have little areas of dead leaves, like how oak wilt looks at first. Do cedar elms have their own version of oak wilt? No, it it wouldn't be something like that, but no plant is immune to fungal issues or insect problems, something like that. So a lot of times if you've got little dead areas on a plant like that, a little tree or something. There's something called twig girdlers. And they'll chew uh, around the end of a of a branch, very tip end, and then the branch falls off. That little tip will fall off. That could be that. Um, you can also get um, damaged areas from winds, like strong winds. Uh, you can get, um, again, like I said, fungal issues. So you just... What I would always do first is look at the overall health of the tree. If 99% of it looks good or even a little less than 99%, but if most all of it looks good and then you just have these little spots here and there, then you probably got just a, a, a not terribly serious problem that you have to worry about. So, um, but yeah, it could be it could be a little fungus. You know, it's been wet. Now it shouldn't be uh, a problem. And I would just watch it. If it keeps happening, then you need to go out there and look and see if you've got the twig girdlers. And they're very hard to manage. It's not not deadly to the tree or anything else. Uh, So it's not really something you have to do anything about. Cedar elms are just virtually bulletproof. So that's always a, a reassuring thing to know. 
Okay, we're going to take our first break here in just a few seconds. If y'all want to join the show, 512-836-0590, call or text, and we'll be back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back, and let's get to the phone lines here. And uh, let's go to Wimberley. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? Good. Good morning. How are you? Good, good, good. What's yeah, up? The question I have for you is regarding a couple of silverberries or Eliagnus or, you know, however you mm-hmm. pronounce that. Mm-hmm. I planted them uh, three years ago underneath some dying ligustrums uh, so that to overlap for privacy's sake as, the, as those ligustrums would eventually be cut down the silverberry would have filled in and but the deer started to eat them when they were young so i put cages around them and then they grew kind of leggy because it wasn't full sun but when i this last after the fruit the coldest winter i pulled the cages away and they weren't strong enough to support themselves and they, they started leaning over and i thought that the they would come back to strength and the, the base of the uh, the silverberry would get strong, you know, and start to grow straight. But the the branches that would have gone horizontal are growing vertical now. You mean and vice versa? Excuse me? You, you mean vice versa? The ones that would have gone vertical are now going horizontal? Well, the, the, ones, the ones that should have gone horizontal, the branches that should have grown out from the trunk. Uh-huh. Now, because the, the, the base of the Agnes or the silverberry is tilted so far over that the branches that would have gone out are growing up. Well, that's a temporary. Um, the nature of Agnes is to have these long, drooping canes arcing okay. out, right? And if uh, the deer, I don't know if they're going to eat them when they're, now that they're well-established, but they will eventually form this humongous hedge, but all of those uh, tr- trunks or branches or whatever you want to call them are going to want to go up first and then arc over. And so, that being said, should I just keep them uh, watered as much as mm-hmm. possible? Just they water them once. Them they're very drought resistant. So... You know, do the old soak them every week or two, uh, soak them good, and then leave them alone. But it, they'll uh, but eventually do what you want them to do. So then no no, no need to stake them again or anything like that? No. Just leave them be? I would just leave them okay. be, give them another year, and see if they don't do just what I'm saying. Okay. Well, very good. All right. I, I, you have a great you have a great program. I enjoy listening well, to it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being a listener and call any time. All right. All right. All right. See you later. All right. Let's go to Cedar Park. Hey, Lee. How are you? I'm all right. Hey, I'm on my way to the hardware store, and uh, they have a mosquito bottle that I bought years ago. um, And for mosquitoes, you just put on your hose, and you just put it all over the place. Um, Now I have a lot of plants. So, will they kill my plants? They will kill your plants, but they'll kill every other insect in in your yard. 
Those those po- oh. those insecticides are broad spectrum and they're very dangerous and very harmful to the environment. It go, it's the oh. same thing with those companies that say, "Oh, we'll come put this sprayer out in your yard and spray the mosquito." Well, you're not going to have a butterfly or a ladybug or a praying mantis or anything out there. The, you I know, didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I could go on a real tirade about those things, <laughs> uh, but I'll spare you. <laughs> yeah, I understand. It. I just the problem is those mosquitoes like the dark skin. Oh, they like light skin too. Let me tell you, I'm I'm a pale as a ghost, and they come straight at me. You know, I, I bottom line, when when you've done everything you can as far as you know, standing water and all that stuff, your best protection is on your body. And there are some, um, you know, uh, sprays that aren't DEET if you're allergic or don't want to use the, you know, like Deep Woods Off or something like that. Right. Those are incredibly effective. However, you know, like I don't want that sprayed on my little grandsons, but there are some that um, are based like in eucalyptus oil. I mean, they're still smelly and pungent, but they don't have the DEET in them. So I would look for the... um, if you don't want to use off, use something like... Yeah, I don't like that off because uh, um, I have uh, uh, sofas, and then when I sit down, it just it, it stains it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So you use yeah. one of the organic ones. Um, last time I was, I got one, I think I was at Bed Bath & Beyond or someplace like that, but you can get them anywhere, any, even... The, now, what, what are you, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? Yeah. The the sprays that are not deep based. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then, thank you very much. I mm. didn't even think about the other. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some play. other repellents. Uh, like if you're fixing to have some event in the yard, you can get these cedar pellets uh, that, you know, again, it's just the strong smell that dissuades them. Uh, doesn't kill anything, uh, but it, it no, can... I- I have a 12 by 40 covered patio, and I like to go outside and sit there, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just pretty bad that they're winning and I'm losing. I'll tell you what I do, because um, I like to sit outside, too. I, I have a big box fan, and I turn that thing on, and at least it blows them away from me. So that's one thing people do, is uh, blow them away with a fan wherever you're sitting. Okay, that's a good idea. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Plus, it keeps well, you cooler. Well, thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go to Pflugerville. Hey, Dana, how's it going out there? Hello, Cheryl. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I sent you a couple of pictures. I have a dwarf crepe myrtle. Um, it's probably three years old, but of course, every year it get, keeps getting zapped by the freeze. Um, it's it's only like five inches tall. Can I? fertilize it what can i do to help it grow uh, forget the blooms just grow a little oh i see it's up by a fence here the one uh-huh, it is yeah. so it will it it's it's um sheltered a little from the devastating really evening uh sun but mm-hmm. it, I, i'm sure it's getting enough sun the only thing i would do is just you know make sure it doesn't dry out good okay. deep watering you know how long has it been in Oh, three years, but every year it freezes back. But yeah. I do have it. It may not be hit with the sprinklers as much as it needs to. 
Yeah. So maybe I'll water it separately. Yeah, that might be a good thing. And ju- just, they're real drought resistant, but it looks like you have, is that gravel underneath it? It, it is. It's a, it's a, a, I've got the landscape cloth and then the granite uh, gray, t- yes, yeah, gray stone on top. Uh, not my favorite method. I, I find that that can inhibit water absorption by the plant, and it can okay. also create a lot of heat around the plant. Hmm. And it doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks fine. But what I would do is just make sure I deep watered it every, you know, 10 days at the at the least. Perfect. Okay, I will do that. Okay. And then the other picture is of a uh, Rose of Sharon. Do you see that? Uh, oh, there's two pictures. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's really yeah, the Rose of Sharon. Um, I see it's that. Really, it's really leggy, but the, but I just came from Green and Growing, and sure enough, all of their Roses of Sharon's look leggy too. So that might just be the way they grow. Yeah, that's the way they start out, and they will grow up into trees. Some people like to keep them as hedges, but I let mine grow up into trees. They only get about 10 feet tall or so. What's mm-hmm. that little picture of on the on the ground there? It almost looks like a ground cover. That's my crepe myrtle. <laughs> oh, I thought I was looking at the crepe myrtle when I was looking uh-huh. at the... I was thinking that doesn't really look like a crepe myrtle, but the, I didn't exactly. see the first picture. Right. Yeah, no, well, your little rose... Little mound. Is my crepe myrtle oh. with my salad. Oh, my goodness. Is something eating it? No. It, it, the leaves are really healthy. Last year, there was something on it, and I uh, uh, oh, sprayed, what is it, memes, oil, and stuff like that on it. Um, but, no, they're healthy. and That's that the way green, it looks right now. Right now. I just took it this morning. <laughs> I am st- I'm I'm flabbergasted that that's... You're making fun of it. No, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what the heck it's doing, you know. Uh, It should be... I don't care if it's a dwarf crepe myrtle or not. That thing ought to be at least three to five feet tall after three years. Well, and remember, the the freeze has gotten it each year. Yeah. So I've had the, you know, the little stalks that were dead. I cut them back. But I know it's crepe myrtle myrtle because there's no other plant around it that could have snuck in there. Um, so maybe just a lot of water? Well, I'd try that. You know, you might try pulling back that weed cloth and gravel away from it mm-hmm. a little bit and put down some regular mulch. It may be just getting too hot, but it looks very stunted. And I would have, even if it froze this year, I'd expected it to, since it's been in that long, to mm-hmm. have a good root system and for it to be up. Unless something's eating it. Is there any way oh. a deer's in there? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and it'd be eating nasty. the Rose of Sharon, yeah, too. All right. Okay, so if, well, it doesn't, if it doesn't straighten up this year, I think it's time for a new dwarf crepe myrtle next year. Yeah, that's what okay. I'd do. Okay. Well, thank you I so much. I gave you three chances. <laughs> okay, right. three strikes. You, you're Carol. out. All right. right. Thank you Thanks. for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's see who's next. Bastrop. Is it Dwayne? Yeah, it's Dwayne, yeah. Hey, how can I help you? Well, I'm don't know if I'm calling the right place or not. I wanna put a uh you know, the decorative brick that you can buy at Home Depot or any of the law centers. Mm-hmm. I wanna put a garden bed out, you know, make it decorative, but I don't know the, what steps to go about to do it. 
was wondering if you could kind of direct me on well, how to Well, sort of like, like a raised bed garden is what yeah, you're thinking? Bed, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and put some uh, perennials in that come up every year and stuff. Well, that's Something a good that idea. Um, what you want to do is make sure you clear off the plot of land where you're going to uh, grow this stuff. Or, like, if especially if you have, like, Bermuda or something, uh, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can either put uh, down some weed control barrier, or you could put down several layers of newspaper, like about 12 layers, you know, and kind of overlap them, make mm-hmm. sure there's no... And put your bed about two feet tall, and then you can fill the bottom half with a less expensive soil, like a sandy loam or something, Mm -hmm. and fill the top half, the top foot or so, at least minimum of six to eight inches with a really high-quality landscape soil. I mean, it depends on how big you're going to make it, but you don't want to put potting soil in a raised bed. That's something they'll inexperienced salespeople will tell you to do, but you want a good... Yeah, so a good landscape mix that's got a lot of compost in it, and then that's about all you have to do. Yeah, just put good landscape soil in there with compost and stuff in it, and you're Mm -hmm. good to go. Okay. And then... um the size doesn't there it doesn't matter what size you go with oh it does matter you're you're right i should have thought of that never make it more than four feet across because you reach about two feet into the bed from each side if you make it right right, so if you make it bigger hey the news is coming up do you have more questions i can put you on hold or i can let you go if Uh, that helps you yeah i'll hold okay all right folks we'll be back in just a minute Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. All right, we're going to go back and finish up with Dwayne in Bastrop about building a raised garden. Okay, Dwayne, where are we at now? We, we talked about not making it more yeah, than I four. I have a couple more questions about, about the, getting the surface ready. Can I take my tiller and just till the, the you know, the grass off and stuff like that goes down just a couple of inches. You mean you on the, the bottom? Uh, like uh, yeah. Yeah, well, tilling turns up a lot of weed seeds. But, I mean, you're going to be putting a couple of feet of soil on top of it. Right. Um, although, if it's Bermuda, it kind of depends on what's there. Uh, if Bermuda's... I the weeds in my grass in my front yard, in the front yard where I was going to put it on. I don't even have crabgrass. I got lucky there. Yeah. You can just weed eat it really short. And or just mm-hmm. you know take a hoe and kind of cut everything off green off, uh, yeah. and then either do the yeah. newspaper thing or the, or the grass, the grass that I have is that crawly stuff you know it spreads by crawl creeping out. Mm-hmm. Is it very fine blade? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, that's Bermuda, it, and that's gonna be your yeah. biggest problem. Bermuda is very invasive so you need to kind of try to smother it out that's why i was talking about using the weed control barrier and Mm -hmm. if these bricks are just stacked and they're not mortared it can crawl up between them so you need to make a a band around the outside of that bed to keep that bermuda out of there use steel edging or or mortar the bottom row on a footing or something like that but i mean that's a lot of work wondering about when when yeah. you go to make like i was gonna make kind of oval shape yeah how do i get the bricks to where they lay in right to where they're not yeah leaving gaps in it you know what i mean 
Yeah, I well, you do have to, drain. you'll have you need drainage, so you got to have a little bit of gap. So just watch your uh, perimeter of that and, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that the uh, Bermuda is kept out of it. It's a little bit of maintenance, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, well, I'll just put some, uh, what I found good works for that is taking uh, aluminum gutters and just flatten them out and then put that in the ground. I've yeah. done that with a with the garden around the side of the house, and it keeps that grass from creeping in. Good idea. All right, Dwayne. Well, I need to move along, but I hope I've helped you right, thank some. Thank you very much. I appreciate you it. You are so welcome. Bye bye. All right, let's go to Blanco. Hey, William. Hey, William. Are you there? William and Blanco. Do I have anybody on the line? What's going on with William? William. Are you there, William? All right, I'm going to put him on hold. Can you see what's going on with him? Okay, um, here's a, a text that came in. On my acreage, I have native persimmon, plum, grape, berries, oaks, elms, and more. I'm open to suggestions with the fruits, native fruits. Well, I mean, it seems like you pretty much got it covered there. Um, if you've got the berries, that means hopefully dewberries. Um, you might have... Uh, two, there's two kinds of persimmons. There's the little Texas persimmon with the little, you know, dark black fruit that's on the females. There's also the eastern persimmon, which actually is pretty pretty good about um, growing around here. But it seems to me like you, if you've got the native plum, um, gosh, I can't think of anything else. It seems like you got it covered. You're going to have to probably consider non-native fruits if... If you're looking for, you know, some other ideas about uh, attracting critters and what have you. Uh, Good morning, Cheryl. What can I do to control shoots from the Texas elbow bush? They are popping up everywhere. Yeah, that's they do spread. You know, they want an elbow bush wants to be a thicket. Uh, So you're going to have to, like, uh, separate those shoots from the mother plant and probably dig them out or something there's otherwise you're going to just need to build a barrier around you know like i i would do with the flower bed for instance pour a footing mortar some stone make a a, an area that's you know that they can't really grow through so but yeah elbow bush is definitely a thicket forming plant and they you know like most natives once they get happy they do their thing all right let's go back to william he's back William Blanco, how's it going? It's going well, Cheryl. Thank you so much for developing your expertise. Oh, off well, richly in my butterfly garden. Good, good. I'm um, I'm creating a um, a ramp to a lower area of my yard, um, and I'm, I'm the question is going to be about what kind of material to put on it. What what is it for? Walking, wheelchair access. What are we talking about? Hello? William, are you there? Oh, his his connection is, is uh, failing, I think. William, I am so sorry. Uh, let me try to address it off the air since we can't hear each other. Okay, uh, he wants to build a ramp to his backyard. Um, any... Any slope is not a good scenario for decomposed granite. 
you know, we can build flat pathways out of it, but <clears throat> you start putting it on a sloping ramp, it's just going to run off. If you want to use natural materials, I would use big flat pieces of limestone, uh, like, you know, the ones that are looter sawed that are perfectly uh, flat. We use those to build like patios and stuff. You can put those in there and make you a ramp out of that. Obviously, you could make it out of wood. Um, you could make it out of brick. You can make it out of pavers. But I wouldn't use decomposed granite on a slope, a sloping ramp. Um, all those other things would accommodate wheeled vehicles, whether it's a wheelchair, wheelbarrow, what have you. Um, but I think I would not, in this case, use the decomposed granite. And I hope that helps you, William. I'm sorry I can't hear your um, connection Okay, let's see here. Uh, oh, by the way, if y'all want to join in, 512-836-0590. That's the call or text number. Enjoy your show. I'm in Georgetown, Sun City. Can I trim my salvia greggy eye as they are getting leggy? How much should I cut off? Such a good question. In fact, I had written down uh, on my notes to talk about that today because the ones around my yard are, are looking the same way. So salvia, right now, most of your greggy eyes are probably covered with little sticks. And that means they're just, you know, they're through that first flush of bloom and they, they want to try to put seed on. All you have to do, and you don't have to be discriminate about it, you can take some hedge clippers, you know, loppers, cut off all the sticks and an inch or two of the green. And just kind of almost like a little hedging effect of it. Um, you can do this with your fingers. You can snap off those ends and just snap off an inch or two of the green stuff. And they will come right back, bouncing back into bloom for you. So, good question. A lot of things are through their first flush of blooming. And like all perennials, then they're going to try to go to seed. Most of them will come back and bloom again. So, you can um, cut things back a little bit. It's just like, I'll never forget this one. I barely knew anything about landscape. I had some salvia greggy eyes. And in August, they were looking really leggy. And I just cut them all the way back. And they all died. And that's how you learn, boy, the hard way, right? So I don't cut them hard. But they do, you know, and this will be two or three times a year on your salvia greggy eyes. You want to clip those little old sticky parts off and a little bit of the green, just a little bit of the green, and you'll get a nice new bloom. Um, every three years or so on salvia greggy eyes, they'll get leggy. They'll get these big old branches of, uh, you know, arms kind of looking things coming out, which is little sprangle of growth at the end of them. Those at the end of February, I cut those big old branchy arms off. And there's always going to be a little new growth right in the middle. You leave that. But end of February or first of March, you cut those old, ugly arms off, and it comes right back out, fresh as a daisy, and uh, grows just perfect. So, uh, let's see here. Okay, did that one. What's the next one? Um, we live in Elgin on 10 tree-covered acres. This tree got hit by lightning with the last storm. Will this tree survive? We found pieces 15 feet away. The tree's about 75 feet tall. 
Dang, I can't really see an up-close version of this, but I think you need to get a tree person out there because um, it, it it could be really bad. I, I can't enlarge it. Anyway, i got to go to a break, uh, so let's get that over with, and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back, and let us go to the text here. I've got a bunch of them. Um, here's one that says, hey, Cheryl, any success ever with salvia clevelandii here? Excuse me, nurseries sell them, but we haven't figured out how to make them survive. Seems like they should like our bad rocky soil and awful weather. Uh, your thoughts Greatly appreciated. Love your show as always. Um, well, thank you so much. So, Salvia Clevelandii is native to Southern California and the Northern Baja Peninsula. Um, there's information about this plant on the wildflower.org website, um, but our you know our our climate is extremely different than there it's a coastal plant um so while it likes well-drained soils it probably benefits from fog or mist or you know some some kind of different climate um and just because a nursery selling it here doesn't mean it works uh your best bet and i don't know where y'all live but for you to go to a locally owned nursery, uh, someplace like, you know, the Natural Gardener or um, Hill Country Water Gardens or someplace like that. And if they're selling it, then they probably have reason to believe it'll work here. I have never seen one in a client's yard in 40 years. So it's I, I, if I was going to try one, I'd probably try it in a pot and just know that those places cool down at night so much more than we do. So it could be a temperature thing. Okay, here's another one. Let me see what. Ooh, this is a long one. My name is Rima. I have two questions for Jeff. Uh-oh, I'm not Jeff. Um have an oak tree which had a circular patch six to eight feet in diameter done by the previous owners nothing grows in there but the oak roots i removed everything but how do i control the roots from coming up and growing the baby plants you cannot keep them from coming up because once you till in and dig around the flower bed under a live oak tree you are going to get suckers and there is nothing you can do about them except weed eat them down or try to camouflage them with plants like holly fern. Uh, in the pots where I have big box store-bought compost, when I water and water just runs down, the soil does not even get wet. I don't look putting saucers as they breed mosquitoes. Can I add to um, the soil for with compost? Yes, you can, but you can also get mosquito dunk granules which is bacillus thuringiensis israeliensis uh, which is the mosquito larva uh, control and it doesn't hurt anything else but 
mosquitoes. So you can buy it in pellets. You can buy it in those donut-looking chunks, which you can throw in a bird bath or something other kind of standing water, and it won't hurt a thing. Um, so try that and put uh, definitely uh, they're high-quality uh, potting soils, but you, they're not the typical cheap ones you get at the big box stores. Um, you can go get some, I think Nature's Creations makes one. I'm sure Medina probably makes one. Whatever it is, if you buy the cheap potting soil, then buy a bag of compost and mix them together, and that'll really help you. Okay. Um, I recently had an injury and crushed granite, even on the flat surface. It's just horrible now. Now I'm having problems with it with heavy rains. It's all washing out and exposing the topsoil because it wasn't installed right. My question is grapes. Do you have any recommendations so I can start next year for my grandkids. Um, your show has helped save me a lot of money. This is Andy. can listen all day instead of the news. <laughs> You're just like me, Andy. I don't want to hear the news. Um, yeah, okay, grapes. Yes. We get our grape starts typically in January with our other bare root plants. So go to some place like, I don't know where, again, oh, you live in southeast Austin. Um you can probably go to someplace like the Great Outdoors um, or make a trek over the Natural Gardener, which is a wonderful thing to do anyway. And they will have the grapes. You can possibly even find good producing grapes in containers in the spring. You know, if people plant the, um, the um, dormant rootstock and you can grow them from that. So you might want to just explore what varieties work best here. And for doing that, I would go to AgriLife, whatever. Well, you're probably in Travis County, A-G-R-I Life, Travis County. And there's lots of information on there about the different kinds of species that grow well here, or the cultivars, I should say. So try that out. All right, let's go to Southwest Austin. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Wonderful. I always wondered... Do those mosquito dunks hurt uh, other insects or birds if they want to drink out of a water source? Nope. That's the beauty of them. They only work against mosquito larvae. The only thing that, Perfect. that hurt, they hurt at all. Yeah, they're just a great invention, frankly. All right. That's it. All we right. I'll use them now. Okay. okay. Thanks, Appreciate Chris. It. Bye-bye. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, good morning, Cheryl. I have wax myrtles that are not getting a lot of sun, growing a little bit funny. Uh, suggestions on how to get them thicker besides cutting the old trees and giving them more sun. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, you can trim them back. But again, when they're evergreens like this, um, and they should be pretty shade tolerant, so I don't think it's necessarily that. Um although they will get bigger and thicker in the sun. Um, but what you want to do is, again, this is better done in the winter, but just end of winter, cut them back, you can even cut them in half, and that'll make them thicken up or bush up a lot more. You can do light trimmings on things right now. Again, though, in this heat, when you, when you cut an evergreen, it stimulates growth. Um, Okay, good morning. What is the bug or disease that hits lantana in the summer, and what do you do to get rid of it? Oh, I was going to also talk about that. Spider mites are out way early this year. 
That's what gets the lantana. Um, so seaweed is the best repellent for them. If you can spray those plants every week or so with uh, liquid seaweed, and again, y'all don't want to spray anything in the heat of the day, right? Spray them in the evening or early in the morning when it's not too uh, hot, and that'll that'll dissuade them. Blue mist flower finished blooming. Can I cut it back to get it rebloom to rebloom just very lightly? I would cut it back very lightly. Uh, oh. Happy belated birthday. I didn't know you knew my birthday. I don't know who you are, but thank you. Uh, will cuttings from the top of a tall, narrow, pyramidal shrub grow taller than those taken from the bottom? I've heard the hormones defend. I don't know. That's a question I have never been asked before. Um, I doubt that it would make a big difference. It's more about the, the age of the wood when you're taking the cuttings. And that means after a first flush of growth, when they're just starting to get streaks of brown in the, um, you know, in the wood before it gets woody. I got to go. See you all next week.